Hello, and welcome to episode 37 of the Casual Try Hard Podcast. I'm Brian. And I'm James. And today we're coming to you uh, live. Yeah, ish. Yeah. Well, at least in video form. Yeah. From uh, the Myrtle Beach Games podcast studio. Yeah. So thanks to uh, Myrtle Beach Games for letting us do this video with them. And thanks to our good friend Juan, who's uh, the magic man behind the curtain, who's doing all the heavy lifting this week. Yeah. I have a lot of stuff to grade. So Juan's editing for us. Plus, we're a little tired from GP Atlanta. So more than a little. Yeah. I am dead. Um, inside. inside. <laughs> that might be a normal state of affairs. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm an adult. You're all dead inside. Uh, if you want to reach out to us, you can hit us up on Twitter at Casual Tripod. Yep. You can find us on Facebook at Casual Tryhard MTG. You can email us at show at casualtryhardmtg.com. Um, we've also got a YouTube channel. Basically, it's just our just our audio in video form, so there's nothing super special there. But if you'd rather find us on YouTube, it's a Casual Tryhard MTG. Since the new set's coming out, I will probably do a video of me playing uh, Sealed or Two uh, this probably Thursday or Friday. Yep. I'll try to get one out. Um, we're also going to do uh, build a, a sealed pool on camera for Myrtle Beach Games. Um, we'll probably film that Thursday, so it'll be out at sometime this weekend, I'm hoping. Something for you to look at before you go to your pre-release. Yep. Um, if you like this kind of content, um, you can find our video reviews of sets. We do them every time a set comes out, um, every time any pre-con decks come out. Um, but you can find that, those at uh, Myrtle Beach Games' YouTube channel. That's something fun for you to check out. And uh, this episode, we are going to kind of speed through because we've got a whole bunch to cover. Yes, a whole bunch of stuff. Yep. We were at GP Atlanta this past weekend. We're going to touch on that briefly, but uh, we're going to save that for next week's episode because we want to get this... Uh, Throne of Eldraine review out, so. We'll start with Magic Fest real quick, yep. and then go from there. What happened? How'd you do? I did okay. I did okay. My goal was to, like, have an even record. Um, I am not a legacy guru by any means. I know you guys have been following along with, you know, the content we've been putting out and our prep for this tournament, and I was a little nervous about it. I ended up 5-3, and three, so a little bit better than I was hoping for. Uh, I didn't day two, but... I had a good time. Played a bunch of Legacy. That's good. Yep. How'd you do? I uh, have the most garbage record that was good ever. Yeah. Uh, I went nine, three, and three. So three draws. I got three draws at a Magic tournament with a deck that can kill you on turn two. Yeah, you were playing a fast combo deck. Yes, and I got three draws because I kept turning all my matches into rock fights. Yeah. But I finished uh, with 30 match points, mm-hmm. and they've changed the payout structure some. So they paid down to 110th place, yep. and I was 101st. There you go. How many people were in this event? Uh, 1,021. Okay. I did not too shabby. Yeah. I got to play a single match of Magic for $250 Yeah. that I won. Congratulations. So that was cool. Yep. One day, I'll figure out how to use properly thread tweets on Twitter about halfway down my thread. It always <laughs> breaks, and I don't know why. Oops. I'm old. Yeah. But I was trying to keep a running uh, tally of how we were doing. Mm-hmm. When you start drawing all the time, you lose time to... Uh, yeah, I don't have a whole lot of time to put tweets out. Yeah, when you're like the last match. Yeah. Yeah, it's not, it's not good. Yep. But... So you were 6-1-1 one, and one on six, day one? 6-1-1 one one? After, after eight rounds, day yep. one. Yep. I beat... Death and Taxes, which is the Nightmare matchup. Yep. I also beat Death and Taxes, which is our Nightmare matchup. And then I went from that Nightmare into Mono Red Prison. Which is the other Nightmare. Uh, round 9, lost. Yeah. But beat Mono Red Prison for $250, round 15. Go. Yep. Through a turn yeah. 1 Chandra, right? Yes. Turn yeah, 1 Chandra. Pretty impressive. One. So we'll talk more about that. And if you listened to last episode, we talked about our preparation for the event and kind yep. of our, our new idea and way to how to do it. 
It helped a lot. Spoiler alert. Yeah, so we want to kind of go through what looked good there and what yeah. what didn't work too well. But the big thing that is happening is Throne of Eldraine. Yeah, pre-release is this coming weekend. Super stoked. We want to touch on the set a little bit. The video people might not have as much background as uh, you audio folk. Yep. We're going to touch on the set, some of the mechanics briefly, and then get into some single card evaluations and mm-hmm. things we think will be good or interesting in standard, maybe some other formats. Yep. The theme is what? Um, it's kind of like Camelot, like Arthurian meets like fairy tales meets like high fantasy. Yeah, it is an interesting mix of things. Yeah. It's like Goldilocks and like the Three Little Pigs and Excalibur. Yep. It's kind of a weird mish. Yeah, it seems like it all works, though. Yeah, but it does work. Yeah. And it is a different vibe than a lot of our recent Magic sets. Oh, yeah. It is um, much more fun and, like, laid back. Yeah, we have the Ginger Brute. Yeah, which is just a gingerbread man running out of a window. And he has, like, super haste. Yes. Can only be blocked by creatures with haste. Yeah, weird. Run, run as fast as you can. Yeah, you've got to be able to catch the gingerbread man. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> so yeah, there's in the set is a very like top-down design set where it seems yeah. like they were like, we want to make a gingerbread man. What in the what in the little nursery rhyme about the gingerbread man? Can, can we, we use, use to make, to make a, card? a card? Yeah. We want to make Excalibur. Right. How can we make that card? It was more like The Lady in the Lake. Yeah, they had things they wanted to hit or yep. like certain like tropes they wanted to hit. Yeah. And so they picked the trope, then designed the card to, like, feed into the trope. Yeah. Um, the last set that we had like this, I guess technically was Shadows, but that was kind of a revisit of this idea already. The last, like, brand new top-down design that they did was Theros. And uh, that block went over really well. That was really well done. See, I was thinking, like, the the one that always comes to mind is kind of Shadows over Innistrad. Oh, not Shadows, I mean, just Innistrad. Yeah, but that that wasn't the last one though. The last yeah. one was Theros. But Innistrad is like one of the more famous, yeah. like the kind of the most famous example of that where they just oh, yeah. really hit a set out of the park with flavor. Yep. And this, the cards seem fun. Oh yeah. Right, which is and it's we it's different. We've come off of three or maybe four sets, maybe more that has all been like doom and gloom. Yeah. Like. Yeah, ever and, since, like, Amonkhet, right? Yeah, like, yeah, like everything's like the whole story is like the end times yeah. and. Like, all these, like, big battles for, like, you know, control of the multiverse. Mm-hmm. And now it's, like, Gingerbread Man and yeah. turning things into elk. And the Golden Goose. And go- Yeah, so it's a much, like, different, like, less serious set. Yep. So. It should be a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm really looking forward change. to pre-release this weekend. They introduced three new mechanics. Yep. Uh, the first one is food. Yeah, food seems kind of sweet. Kind of reminds me of a cross between, like, Energy from Kaladesh. And the clue tokens investigate from Shadows. Food is an artifact token with two mana tap sacrifice, uh, gain three life. But that's not all that food does. Um, a lot of the cards in the set um, interact with food in some way. A lot of them... Uh, eat food? Yeah. Like the feasting troll king eats food, comes back to life. The beanstalk giant, you need... Or no, the no. beanstalk giant doesn't make food. What's the one that... There's... Oh, what is it called? It's, it's two and a green for uh, either... For a sorcery that's sack two foods, make a seven seven. Yeah. Or make three make food. Make three food. Yeah. And so there's a lot of cards that rely on food to do things. There's the witch's oven, which you yeah. sacrifice a creature, make a food. Yeah. So it's turn your children into pie. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So uh food is kinda like a cross between like like you said, like 
an additional extra resource, yeah. like energy was, yep. but then just like a permanent that you can interact with and has some small effect on the game, like yeah. a clue token. Yep. Um, most of most of the things that make food are just kind of like tacked onto a spell that was okay anyway. Yeah. Um, so it's not like you have to go super far out of your way to make food. And depending on how these payoffs end up, maybe it's worthwhile even playing some spells that you wouldn't want to play just to yeah. make the food. The, the food payoffs might be good enough. There's a few that are close. Yep. And we'll have to see if they like work out. So the uh, the next mechanic is adamant. What's yes. adamant do? Adamant is you can cast the spell for its normal cost, mm-hmm. either a a creature or non creature spell. Yep. And then if you pay color 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 to cast that spell, you get an extra bonus. Yeah, it's not in addition to the mana cost. Yeah. It's like as you're paying the mana so cost. So there's I wish I remember all the card names. There's it's two. like two and a red. Deal three. Yep. But if you pay red red red. Yep. You deal four. So there's all these cards that get this little added bonus if you pay for the same uh, three of the same color, right? And but all, most of those cards are like two or like generic mana plus one of the adamant color, mm-hmm. so you can cast it in in its like non-adamant mode pretty right. easily. Like they're splashable, yeah, but they also reward you for being heavy in that color. Now I also. Don't think there's any adamant cards at higher rarities, right? There's no mythics with adamant. No. So that kind of tells me this might just be a limited mechanic. It might be. Um, and we know that we're going back to Theros next. Um, last time we were at Theros, Devotion was a big thing. Um, this kind of might also be like prepping us to get ready for Devotion also. Yeah, and if you think about like the core 20 mythics, the Cavalier cycle, they were yeah. all generic color, color, color. Right. Again, like trying to set you up for playing really heavy one color with a splash kind of decks. Yep. And then we have adventures. Yeah, adventures seem sweet. Um, this is they they're all packed with value. Uh, there's some really good ones we're gonna go over in a minute. Um, they're kind of like a split card, like from uh, Ravnica, except they work a little bit differently. They are all creatures that have an extra adventure mode. Um, you can always cast the creature if you just want the creature, or you can cast the adventure side of it. Uh, the adventure side, I believe on all of them, is either an instant or a sorcery. Um, so you cast it for its adventure, and then when it resolves, instead of going to your graveyard, it goes to exile, because your creature is now on an adventure. And then you're allowed to cre- cast a creature from exile also. So it's a lot of spells uh, that are like, busy thing about it is get this spell, draw the creature side of it. Right. So all the all the cards are basically two for one, mm-hmm. especially if the adventure side is borderline. If the adventure side is good and the creature is okay, cards are great. Yeah. If the spell's okay and the creature's good, cards great. Right. And there's a few that both sides are good. Yeah. Cards ridiculous. Right. Probably some of the best cards in the set. Yeah. So it's it's gonna be hard to evaluate them until you play with them and like limited and constructed. Because we're not used to like one card giving you your two drop and your three drop. Yeah. Or your one drop and your two drop. Or your three drop and your seven drop. So you just right. have this widespread of cards that are able to do double duty in your curve. Mm-hmm. They play really well with like bounce effects. Mm-hmm. Right? You cast the adventure, you get the creature, you bounce the creature, yeah. you cast the adventure, you cast the creature again. Yep. Super value. Yes. So those are the mechanics. We kind of want to look at some specific single card. Uh, we think we'll either see play in uh, standard or maybe back in older formats. Mm-hmm. And so the first thing is a cycle of mythic artifacts that are tied to the castles of each color mm-hmm. 
of magic. Yeah, each uh, in this set, each like race or realm or whatever you want to call it, um, has their own castle, and each castle is kind of used as a powerful artifact. Yeah, one's supposed to be the round table, and yeah, the first one is the white one, Circle of Loyalty. Mm-hmm. So all these artifacts have really high casting costs. Yeah, but they get some cost reduction for something, again, associated with the castle. So Circle of Loyalty is four white-white and costs one less to cast for each knight you control. Whenever you cast a legendary spell, you get a knight, a 2-2 knight. All your knights get plus one, plus one, and you can pay three and a white and tap this to make a knight. Yeah, sounds like this card just kind of explodes in a knight deck, huh? Yeah, like, play a couple knights, and, like, on turn three or four, you get, like, a Benelish Marshal that... Right. Just makes other banalish marshals. So it seems like you can get away pretty quickly. Yeah. It is a little rough if, like, your guys get uh, Wrath. Like, if your opponent's, like, Kaya's Wrath, bounce your thing with a Teferi, then you, like, never cast it again. Yeah, it's kind of awkward. You know, if you get out in front of someone, like, just the extra power you get, and if they can't get rid of the artifact, get to slowly reload. You are, on one hand, Wrath-proof, wrath-proof because you can just remake your guys. Mm-hmm. But if it gets bounced, then it's just hard. Yeah, it's to, tough to get back yeah. down. But that one looks like if there is an aggressive, like, Knight's deck. Right, night deck, this would be, like, kind of the top. And, like, the dream is to, like, on, like, turn four, you have four knights out, and you mm-hmm. play that for two mana. Yeah. And then you're just super far ahead. I mean, even if you're playing it for three mana, I think you're oh, yeah, happy I think with you're that. Fine. Yeah, if yeah. you go, like, one drop, two drop, three drop. The, uh, the next one is the Cauldron of Eternity. Uh, it's ten black black for its casting cost. Mm-hmm. It's cost two less for each creature card in your graveyard. Yes. So it's kind of promoting a, like a self-mill or sacrifice strategy. Yeah, and they definitely that's like supported in the limited environment, like a yeah. mill strategy. Yeah, there is a drawback. It says when a creature you control dies, put it on the bottom of your library so you don't get to like use things that are already on the battlefield. So yeah. it's definitely better to self-mill with this than it is to sacrifice. Yeah. The real ability, the one that you're playing this for, is a two and a black. Tap it and pay two life to return a creature from your graveyard to the battlefield. Yeah. Um, you can only activate it as a sorcery, but typically this effect comes with either sacrifice at the end of the turn or exile it at the end of the turn. Yeah. And uh, you don't have that here. Yeah. So you just get big thing. Villas Broker of Blood. Yeah. Right. When you bring him back, the next thing you bring back, you draw two cards. You draw two cards. Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely some creatures that will pay you off. Mm-hmm. There's been some lists of people trying things right now. That are like just blue black. Yeah. That like in blue has a lot of ways right now to like mill yourself. Uh, something we'll talk about later, unless you cast artifacts from your graveyard. Right. So if you do mill this, there's a way to get it back. Yep. Get to like turn five and you get to play it for black black. Oh. And then activate it. Yeah, you're golden. Yeah, you're great. Yeah. Like now. Yeah, your turn five is put this in play and reanimate a Villas. Good game. Yeah. Good game. Good talk, everyone. This card is similar to uh, Whip of Erebos from yeah. the Theros block. That was two black black to activate. Mm-hmm. But it also gave all your creatures lifelink. Yeah, and that was that was kind of a big deal with that card, and there was no life loss attached. But, yeah, it was um, just so that makes me a little nervous about the playability of this. But I mean, Whip was great. There was it was a whole archetype. This could definitely turn in. Could be something that is really powerful. Yeah, and there's I think a lot of different ways right now that you could build this yeah. kind of deck in in standard. We have all the Golgari mm-hmm. cards. Yeah, that milled things. Close for shaman stuff like that. Yeah. That have kind of not seen a lot of play. Yeah. Unfortunately, we lose a uh, Stitcher Supplier. We do. Can't have all the nice things. Yeah. But I want all the nice things. I so do I. <laughs> and then we have the Great Hench. Yeah. Th- I think this one's my favorite. We'll see. I, there's too much of this effect, I almost feel like. It, there probably is. So, and like the other times that we've had this effect, like it hasn't been great. 
Yeah. But yeah, the Great Henge is a seven green green, and it costs X less to cast, where X is the greatest power among creatures you control. Yeah, so if you have a four drop out, I mean, not a four drop, you have a four power creature, yep. this costs three green green. Right. If you have a big seven six dinosaur, this costs green green. Yep. Tap, add green green, gain two life. Yeah, that's great. That is great. And whenever a non-token creature you control enters the battlefield under your control, put a plus one plus one counter on it and draw a card. Yep, that's also great. So if you could play Henge with the cauldron, you could tap the Henge and gain two life, tap a swamp. There you go. Bring back a creature. Put a counter on it and draw a card. There you go. So if you just have a pile of mythics that you can like combo wombo. There we go. We did it. Yep. Let's go. Did it. It's uh, you know just standard wallet. <laughs> you just throw your wallet on the table and. See whose wallet has more money in it. Yeah, that was a deck at one point, right? The Grixis wallet? Yeah. Grixis Mythics. Yeah. So that's the the cycle of uh, legendary artifacts. The red one, less good. The blue one seems like it's not going to be super playable. Yep. Uh, Oh, you're all out of (laughs) order. I'll figure it out. Maybe I'll figure it out. For the audience at home, we got back at (laughs) 1 o'clock in the morning from Atlanta James drove the hallway, so I didn't really do that much work. I did stay awake so he didn't like fall asleep and kill yeah. us all. He got to just go home and sleep. I yeah. had to go to work and give three exact Well, tests. I mean, I didn't just go home and go to sleep. I had an episode to prepare. That's fair. Fair. <laughs> I didn't fair. sleep all day, just till like 8 o'clock. I woke up at 6.30. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a little out of it. I'm all hopped up on, on, diet, on diet doctor. On, no, regular Dr. Pepper. Regular Dr. Oh, Pepper. my God. We have a rare cycle of land. Well, plus one. Plus one? Yeah. We have a rare cycle plus one. Fair. Yeah, I just lumped kind of all the rare lands together and figured we'd all talk about them at the yeah. same time. So the first one is the plus one. It's a fabled passage. It is just a land. It has tap, sacrifice, fabled passage. Search your library for a basic land card, put it onto the battlefield tap, then shuffle your library. Then, if you control four or more lands, untap that land. Yeah, so it's kind of better evolving wilds. But, but worse it's... fetch land. Yeah. Yeah. It's somewhere in the middle of between Evolving Wilds, which is like blatantly unplayable. Well, I mean, there's there's been points where Evolving Wilds are playable in standard. Yeah, but they're few and far between. They're usually yeah. like uh, synergizing with other things. Like right. there was a point where like the blue black control decks would play Evolving Wilds to turn on their fatal pushes. Right. But just like I need to fix my mana with an Evolving Wilds typically yeah. doesn't happen. Not really where you want to be. But since our cycle of rare lands in this set aren't dual lands. Yeah. There's not good fixing for like even two color decks or yeah. a lot of the color pairs. Yeah. Unfortunately, I, I do feel that this is going to be the backbone of a lot of mana bases. Yes, it's going to have in, to be. At least until we get some more lands. Yeah. A thing to keep in mind is even the, the decks that are going to have good mana mm-hmm. are going to have four shocks, four temples, which come into play tapped. Yeah. And for the first three turns, if you have a Fabled Passage, yeah. that land's going to come into play tapped. Yeah. All of those things together kind of lead you to a place where maybe the aggressive decks end up having to be a little bit slower that are two colors because on the early turns, a lot of their lands are going to come into play tapped. Well, I mean, it probably leads to a place where the aggressive decks are not two colors. Yes, they have to be monocolor. And it also kind of pushes the mid-range decks a little bit more mid-range than they traditionally would be. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, there. it may change a lot of the the format. Like the we got spoiled with Gruel having great mana. Well, yeah. Gruel has like eh, mana now. Yeah, not great. Yeah, and Red Black has had great mana, mm-hmm. and now it's gonna have like 
meh. Yeah, mana. But yeah, I think that this card is gonna be kind of the glue that holds mm-hmm. all the all the two color decks together. Yeah. Notice we haven't said three color decks because I don't know how good that mana is gonna be if that can work at all. Alright, so the next type of card we want to talk about is planeswalkers. Yep. There are three planeswalkers in the set. We're gonna talk about two of them. Hopefully we've not been horribly wrong. <laughs> I don't think we're wrong. We'll talk about that later. Okay. Uh, so the first one I think might be standard defining. It could be. It definitely has the potential to be. Uh, and that's Oko, uh, Thief of Crowns. Yep. So it's one blue-green for uh, Planeswalker Oko. Yep. With four starting loyalty. That's pretty big. Plus two. Yeah. Goes to six. Two. Goes <laughs> to six. Create a food token. So worst case scenario... This card kind of reads like gain nine life because you get the six from them trying to kill your Oko plus the three you get from the food. Yeah. That's good. And then plus one. So that's the second plus ability. You heard right. right. Turn an artifact or a creature into a three, three elk. Like the food you just made. Now it doesn't get, it doesn't destroy the creature. Right. It just makes it an elk. It turns it to elk. If that were a card, like the frog, the card like turned to frog or it makes it a one, one frog. This just makes it a three, three elk. So you can go plus make a food, turn my food into a three, three, or there's the dread. What's the dread horde invasion trick? Yeah. Um, you turn your, when every upkeep, you lose a life and put a counter on a zombie army you control. If you don't have a zombie army, you make one and put a counter on it. Um, with Oko, you turn your zero, zero zombie army into a 3-3 elk that still keeps the 1-1 counter. And is no longer a zombie army. So, so you make a new one next turn. Yeah, so you just like have infinite 4-4s. Four yeah, every upkeep for one life. Yeah, pay a life, make a 4-4, four four, yep. take out my planeswalker. Seems good. How could Oko protect himself? You can minus 5 Oko, mm-hmm. and you can switch possession of an artifact or creature you control for an artif- for a creature your opponent controls with power. So the reason I think this could be like format defining is it really kind of like blunts aggro. Yeah. Right? Because even if you play this on turn three, you're like, plus my Oko, now you take their three drop the next turn if you have any kind of board to like protect Oko. Or if you golden goose to yeah. get Oko out on turn two, like if you're on the play, they can't play a two drop because you take it. Mm-hmm. If they don't play their two drop, then you just play a three drop or a four drop and then you take their next creature and they just can't ever get ahead. So it seems like it could like just put a boot on like small creatures in the format mm-hmm. because you just get two for one. Yeah. No, this is a minus five. So it's not something that you're probably going to have to worry about like more than once, but it is going to influence deck building decisions. Yeah. Like the, like the first time they like plus make a food, they have the next turn switch. Right. And now if the game slowed down and you don't have like a way to pressure Oko. Yeah. Plus, plus, do it again. Now, there's a particular three drop that gets around this little problem of having four, having three uh, power. We'll come back to that in a yeah. little bit. The next planeswalker. This is your boy, good enough. This is my boy, uh, Garrick C- Cursed Huntsman. Four black green for a Garrick planeswalker with five loyalty. And we have kind of returned to the old, uh, like, templating for planeswalkers. Okay. Where the first ability protects itself, the second ability gets you some sort of card advantage, and the third ability wins you the game. Yes. So Garrick has a zero ability, not a plus ability, where it reads, create two 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 black and green wolf creature tokens with, when this creature dies, put a loyalty counter on each Garrick you control. Yes. We only have one in standard, but there's a bunch of others. Yeah, there's a bunch. It has a minus three of destroy target creature draw card and it has a minus six so only one more than starting loyalty 
uh, you get an emblem with creatures you control get plus three, plus three, and trample. The idea is you can make a wolf army, mm-hmm. force them to have to kill a wolf, yeah. and then that lets you activate your Garrick. Yep. You also have uh, the Night Pack Ambusher, which yeah. buffs wolves. It was, um, okay, yeah. So it kind of makes your opponent have to deal with your basically free three threes every turn. Yeah, or uh, play Crafter, sack your own wolf so you can oh, activate yeah. your like two-for-one them, yeah. so you can activate your Garrick. I mean, to that extent, you could play uh, Priest of Forgotten Gods, too. Yes, you could. Sack two wolves, put two counters on Garrick, make them sack a creature, draw a card, couple mana. And then you get to keep oh. your Garrick. Yeah. There's a third one that's blue and red. Didn't make the list yet. I didn't include it in the list because I didn't think it was fantastic, but as we're doing this podcast, I remembered something that I wrote later in the episode, so... We'll circle back. Maybe we'll circle back to that one. So we talked about eat, there's castles. Yep. Every castle has to have a ruler. Oh, man. Yorvo. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, he's the Lord of Garen Brig. Um, he has keyword big. Yes, he's just big. Yep. Uh, he costs green, 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 and he's a zero, zero. So That's not keyword not really big. that big. But he enters the battlefield with four plus one plus one counters. And then whenever a green creature enters the battlefield, you put a plus one plus one counter on him. And if that creature had more power than Yorvo, you put another plus one, plus one counter on Because Yorvo doesn't want to be smaller than anyone. Right, yeah. Yorvo just wants to be big. Keyword big. Is this good enough for standard is, is the know. question. Uh, Steel Leaf Champion was... For a brief minute, yeah. Yeah, but it had one more power and some form of evasion. Yeah, this does not. Yeah, this guy just gets, like, chumped by whatever idiots are on the other side of the battlefield. Yeah, he gets chumped by the uh, goblin that the Red Land made that yeah. they didn't put a card into. Or... The one ones that the white land right. makes, and then you feel sad. If there's a green, like, stompy deck, mm-hmm. if just, like, big green idiots is good enough, he's probably good he, enough as... He is a big green idiot. Now, here's a big red idiot. What what do we call this guy? Uh, his name is Torban Thrain of Redfell. That's not his name. No, I call him the Big Angry Dwarf. Big Angry Dwarf. Uh, he's yeah, bad. He is, he, he is a... He's a bad man. He is a bad dwarf. Dwarf. Yeah. <laughs> big Angry Dwarf Dwarf. Yeah. So he costs uh, colorless and then red, 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 or a 2-4, which kind of doesn't sound great. But then you read his text, and it says, If a red source you control would deal damage to an opponent or a permanent an opponent controls, it deals that much plus 2. So he's really a 4 He's really a 4-4. The reason you can tell this card is, is all the other ones are color, color, color. They had to throw an extra mana on him. Yeah. Because I think they playtested him and were like, Oh. We done messed up. Yeah. I think a lot of people in play design were dying on turn four. Yeah. And they were like, well, this had to be in development the same time uh, Modern Masters was, right? So Tom Ross worked on this set? Yeah. So perhaps he just killed a bunch of people on turn four. I'm sure he killed a lot of people on turn four. It's like not out of the realm of possibility or even hard to, would we figure out 18 damage on turn four? With him costing four. With him costing four. With him costing three, it's just nuts. But, like, if you have the Scorch, Scorch Spinner or Yeah, something, Scorch Spinner, yeah. Deals one when it attacks. Yep, and then Cavalcade. And then... Chandra. Chandra, and then this guy. Yep. You attack, and you get four triggers yep. from your Cavalcade. Yep, that each do an extra two. Well, three triggers from your Cavalcade, plus the trigger from the Spinner. Right. So they each do three total. Yep. That's 12. Right. And if any of them connect, they connect for three. Right. Yeah, like, you're dead. Dead. D-E-D, dead dead at like three mana this at red 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 just would open up like untap on turn four like shock you shock you dead yeah yeah you're just like yeah oh, cool ends. 
you had like three burn spells and I died. Yeah. This could be really good. Like, I am a little dubious of like red strategies. I was maybe proven a little wrong, wrong with cavalcade mm-hmm. decks. If there's a good red strategy, it's because of this yeah. guy. Yeah. This guy's why the red decks will be good. Yep. I think so too. Um, the only, the only awkward thing that I can see is that normally your four drop slot in red wants to be a way to get you back in the game. Yeah. If, if you you've got, kind of petered out. He wants you to have board presence yeah. or some way to utilize him. Yeah. He's not going to catch you up. He's not a Chandra right. or, you know, some Armina can. Yeah, yeah. A frenzy. So the, the next one is Ayara. Sure. Yeah. She's the first of Lockthwain. Uh, it's black, black, black for a 2-3. Whenever Arya or another black creature enters a battlefield under your control, uh, each opponent loses a life and you gain a life. And uh, you can tap it and sack another black creature to draw a card. I think the card's fine. I don't think it's anything fantastic, but it's fine. Garrick makes black wolves, right? It does. Yep. So it's, there you go. There's another way to put, yep. put something on Garrick and draw a card. Yep. Yeah, it seems fine. It's rough that it limits you to black creatures. Yeah, I mean, it costs black, black, black anyway, so you're probably not going to jam it in like know, a three-color deck. In your Chandra deck with yeah. like your black, 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 red, red garbage right. mana deck. Right. Then there's Gadwick the Wizened. Yeah, and you kind of like this one, right? Yeah, so it's blue, 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 X. Yeah. For a 3-3. Three, three. What's the X do? The X draws you cards. That's it? You draw cards equal to X when it enters the battlefield. All right. But it and- doesn't affect the creature at all. No, so it's he's not, just a there's three. There's no three. X counters. There's no. Nope. He's just cards. Yeah. I th- that's all. That's yeah, weird. it's just all the cards. Yeah. Well, I mean, cards are good, but that's like strange. Yeah, it is strange that there's an X that doesn't do anything yeah. to like the actual creature because we're used to like Hydras or right. various robots that are X that come in with X counters. Yeah. He just comes in and gives you X cards mm-hmm. and then has. I guess almost trinket text, but you'll probably lose games to it. Yeah. Whenever you cast a blue spell, tap target non-land permanent and opponent controls. I was looking at this as like extra hydroid crises. Kind of. It's not gonna. It's not gonna close a game like a crisis will. No, but like, there's a lot of times where you play like your blue green ramp deck, mm-hmm. and you just need to like draw three cards to like yeah. have a hand again. Yeah. And you've like had to cast a crisis for two to draw a card so you had a body early on and then you mm-hmm. had to and like you've just not got to like your third crisis that you needed yeah and just having like crisis really maybe like five and six mm-hmm. to just refill maybe just five i don't know if it wants that's like one but well, just like the the crisis it has more text than just refilling your hand though it does like the life game is super important it does and this doesn't but this does like get you to your next one yeah Right, it, it can be a bridge of like mm-hmm. I can pay. Where like a, a crisis that was a four four mm-hmm. that gained two and drew, this would draw an extra card. Right, so it just gets you a little bit deeper. Mm-hmm. So it might see play in small numbers yeah. in those kind of decks as a way to refill. It does have the problem that it can get countered. Where yeah. crisis, you get the cards regardless. Regardless. Yeah. And then this last one, I don't know who wants to play this card. Yeah, me neither. It's bad. Solid. Yeah. Solid. It's a uh, Linden, the steadfast queen. Uh, white, white, white for a 3 3 with vigilance. Yep. And whenever a white creature you control attacks, gain a life. Yeah, guess what you don't want to do in your white aggressive deck? Gain life. Yeah. You want to dead people. Well, I mean, like a Johnny's Pride might still in the format. And new a Johnny still makes. Fair, but like, I don't know if you're about that. No, I'm, I don't think so either. But yeah, I mean. Like, you're definitely not taking your third turn off to do this. 
I yeah. don't think. Well, I guess the only thing is is that it's an attack trigger. It so is. you attack with your Johnny's Pride Bane, it's a 3-3. Three, three. Yep. You can help sizing-wise. It means that a Johnny's Pride Bane has to be good. Right. There's that like brief window where for one tournament, a Johnny's Pride Bane was good. Yeah. And the people went like, oh, wait, this is a draft uncommon? <laughs> yeah, it seems weird. It doesn't seem like, you know, if it was... I guess I could just couldn't print Banalish Marshall again. Like, that's what a white aggressive deck wants, is they want Banalish Marshall. Yeah, they want some sort of lord. Or they want, like, all your creatures have indestructible. Yeah. And this competes at, like, three mana with, uh, uh, what was the rare addendum? Like, your creatures plus one, plus one, and indestructible. Um, Unbreakable formation? Yeah. Yeah. Right? Like, you would almost rather have Unbreakable formation. Yeah, so she has competition for, for a spot in a deck. The next thing here. Is uh, what I have dubbed the Tempo Twins. Yes, these cards are great. They are both great and might make me want to play Islands. Yeah, like we came up, I, I came up with just an observation on the way yeah. back and we were like, oh, that's really good. Yeah. So we have Brazen Borrower, yep. which is a mythic and it's one blue blue for a 3-1 flyer. Flash. Uh, flash. Yep. It can only block creatures with flying. flying. Who cares? Who cares? You're going to be attacking with this guy. Yes, 100%. And then it has an adventure. That return target non-land permanent and opponent controls to its owner's hand. It is your two drop and your three drop. Yep. It is clear way and... It's like if you could play like Disperse. Yeah. And But Disperse said draw a 3-1 flash flyer. Right. Like every single time you cast Disperse. Yeah. Your play pattern could be like on the play, your opponent plays a two drop. You bounce it, or at the end of their next turn, you play a 3-1 Flash Flyer. Yeah, you leave Counter Magic up and then play a 3-1 Flash Flyer at the end of their turn if they don't do anything. And if they do something, you use your Counter Magic. Or you kill it with the other card. Yeah, this one's my favorite. A Bone Crusher Giant. The art is just a giant literally stomping on someone. Yeah, it's great. And the uh, storybook frame or whatever, Mm -hmm. the alternate art, is even better. Okay. Because it's like the foot coming at you. Gotcha. Yeah, it's great. It's a two and a red for a four three. It says whenever it becomes the target of a spell, uh, Bone Crusher Giant deals two damage to that spell's controller. So kill it, they take two. Uh, yeah, I mean, not necessarily even kill it. Like, anytime it's targeted. Yeah. So. Well, I mean, I would hope that your opponent was not just like... All right, but like if they have to tap it or something. Yeah, fair. Or even if well, like somebody bounces it with a Brazen Buccaneer. A Brazen Borrower? That's what I meant. Yeah, Brazen yeah, Borrower. Well, we went back to Ixalan. I was like, what? <laughs> There's yeah. Robin Hood in here somewhere. He's he is. He's a fucking air, kind of. <laughs> but he has an adventure, he which does. is stomp. <laughs> uh, I always saw him on, like, Robin Hood as Buccaneer. <laughs> a man who's never been on the ocean his entire life. <laughs> Whatever. A dude who rides a horse with a bow and arrow. <laughs> Pirates. I mean, he was kind of a pirate, though, just without a boat. Sure, he was the Jack Sparrow of the trees. <laughs> I mean, he was, though. There we go. Okay. Stomp. Stomp. One of the red instant. Yep. Deal two damage to any target. Uh, damage can't be prevented. Damage can't be prevented. Not just its damage, like any damage. Yeah, threat. damage can't be prevented. One of the four abilities that protection gives you. Yeah. Uh, your opponent has a creature that has, has a Cerulean Drake. Mm-hmm. Right, and you have another Bone Crusher Giant, and you attack. And they're like, "I want to block your Bone Crusher Giant with my Cerulean Jake. I'm so smart." Yep. And then you play Stomp, mm-hmm. and you hit them for two. Right. Now Cerulean Drake's protection doesn't prevent damage. Super dead. You kill it. Yep. Or you, you know, kill their other two power or their two toughness creature, mm-hmm. 
and you can get their Drake as well. Yeah. Right. So it gives you an out to turn off protection yeah. in certain spots. Yep. Which is kind of like the third big thing it's for. And if somehow we have some garbage fog deck. Right. Yeah, you can't fog be full. That is correct. So Bone Crusher Giant does the same thing as Brazen Borrower. Yeah. Or where, your two drop and your three drop. Right. Like adding one mana to shock to always draw a four three. Absolutely. Is great. One hundred percent of the time. Right. If you had if the card was one and a red, deal two to any target, search your deck for a three mana four three, mm-hmm. you would play that card a hundred percent of the time in your red deck. Uh well it's yeah, but it's a three mana four three with upside. Yes. Yeah, it's not even just a vanilla. Yeah. Like these two cards together. And you would play just two and a red, make a four three with you know, when it gets targeted shock the yeah. controller. Like even without the option to shock yeah, something. Yeah, so this beforehand. is where the like Bone Crusher Giant is where both sides of the card are Great. good. Like you could say that Stomp is it's overcosted compared to Shock. I mean, but it's slightly close. though. Like Skullcrack is one more damage and does kind of prevent life gain. Yeah, but it's it's close. It's yeah. like right at the edge of standard playable, and yeah. Bone Crusher Giant is standard playable, mm-hmm. and so it makes the card very powerful. Right. So we were talking about like these two cards together. Yeah. Blue red has the temple and it has a shock land. Mm-hmm. You've got eight duels. And so you have this spot where you have your two drop and your three drop rolled up in two four ofs. Yeah. Like you were never going to run out of card. You're always going to have something to do, mm-hmm. something relevant. And so, you know, you combine that with a few counter spells, <clears throat> some shocks, and you end up with a deck. Yeah. You know, kind of like the blue green decks we've had. But instead of Fjord Mystic, Mystic, you just punch people in the face. I like punch people in the face. And it's anger issues, but whatever, man. There we go. Since someone <laughs> to do your dirty work, I yeah, see how it is. Get my hands dirty. We have a section that we're just calling The Rest. Yeah. So the first one is Acclaimed Contender. Mm-hmm. So this is a 2 and a white for a 3-3. Three, three. Which is a pretty good rate anyway. It's fine. Like, yeah. a 3-3 three, three vanilla wouldn't get played in standard. No, but it's not like you're unhappy for those stats yeah. off of your three mana. So when this comes into play, if you control another knight, you get to look at the top five cards of your library yep. for a knight, an equipment, or an aura, or an aura, yep. and put it into your hand. Mm-hmm. So there is some danger that he can be a 3-3 three, three vanilla right? if you don't have enough knights around him. Mm-hmm. Or auras or equipment. Yeah. But you have to have a knight in play to get the to the trigger. Right. You have to have a knight on the battlefield, and so if you, like, don't have a knight, he doesn't do anything. Mm-hmm. Like, he's just card advantage if you have a, a deck built with, you know, 16 to 20 knights. Yeah, if there is a knight deck, he is uh, definitely a key part of it. Yeah. He's going to be able to refill your hand after you've put some cheap guys out on the battlefield. Yeah, so... Um, and it kind of seems like Wizards is pushing... To be like a standard knight deck. Yes. Because the only piece of fixing that we got in this set is a tri-land for knights. Tournament grounds. Yeah. Taps for a colorless and it taps for red, white, black for knights, equipment, and aura spells? Or just knights and equipment? It might just be knights and equipment. Yeah. So basically it fixes the the Mardu colors, which is the knight colors. Yeah. Because that's going to be an aggressive deck. Yep. And you can't play a bunch of tap lands in your aggressive deck. Right. Are we listening? You can't play a bunch of tap lands in your aggressive deck. Yeah, don't do it. Don't do it. But I want to play all my spells. 
You want to play all your spells on time. <laughs> on time is more important. Yes. But the, so they have that land again. It's not legendary. So if you are mm-hmm. going to play knights, you just jam four of those in your deck. That's oh, the start of your mana base. 100%. Right. You get to have 12 untapped yeah. dual lands between the shocks. Yep. And oh no, not 12. You get like 16. 16. Yeah. Yeah. So math you probably hard. don't play all of the shocks though. Yeah. But you, you can if you need to. Mm-hmm. You have all of them. The next card, but James just had a revelation as I explained to him, is Charming Prince. Yeah, it's a one and a white for a 2-2. What's his ability? When he comes into play, you get to choose one. Choose one of how many things? Three things. Oh. Yeah. So it's a charm. It's a charm. Yeah, all the charms and magic are three abilities, pick one. Yep. He's a dude with three abilities, thus he's a Charming Prince. Yep. His three abilities are Scry 2, Gain 3 Life, Exile a Creature, you own, and return it to the battlefield under your control. At the end of the turn. At the end of the turn. Yep. So the you own is important. Like, if your creature gets stolen by an agent of treachery, mm-hmm. you just get to get it back. Or mass manipulation. Yeah. Um, you can also flicker uh, something that's been turned into an elk. Yep, and get it back. Yep. Or something that has, like, Frogify yep. on it or Track in the Tower. These are all things you can do. Standard, it's never going to be dead because mm-hmm. of the Scry 2. Right. Right, like, if you just play a 2-mana two 2-2 two, two Scry 2. That's kind of odd for a white card, though, isn't it? Just it a 2-mana two 2-2 two, two Scry 2. It is. They've stapled Scry. Yeah. Onto so many different things that don't feel like they belong in that color. And they've like started stapling flash on like black creatures, which is super weird. It is weird. They're like colored hot pie, no color pie. <laughs> so it's never dead, but none of the abilities are super strong, like standalone by themselves. Yeah. Like gain three life is fine. If there's like an aggressive red deck and you, that's great. Yeah, it's a two for one. Right? It's a two two that's going to trade with one of their guys and gain you yeah. three life. Like, you have to have creatures that you want to get the the enter the battlefield ability yeah. off of for the flicker. You may or may not have that, mm. right? Like, but it's in the same color as things like Deputy of Detention. Like right, you, so you can reset your deputy. Yeah, you eat a bunch of tokens, and then you reset it, and then mm. you get to get something else. Yeah, Deputy Hydroid Crisis, and then... Kill it when you bring it yeah. back. Uh, Night of Autumn. Mm-hmm. Like, you blow up an artifact and then you reset it and you get a four three right right so you have these you have these like natural synergies in its colors Mm -hmm. but none of the abilities are just like oh wow this is great right you wouldn't play any of them on its own probably yeah if it was two mana two two scry two and that was your only option ever you don't play it no it's two mana two two gain three life you probably Probably don't play it maybe it's in your sideboard for if there's a mono red deck and it was the flicker probably don't play it right so it just, it's just... The utility makes yeah. it worth it. Yeah. You have enough options that it makes it so you might play it at some point. Mm-hmm. So the uh, next card we probably wouldn't normally talk about, but uh, it seems too fun not to. Yeah. And we know we're going to get questions about it, so we're going to talk about it. There we go. Uh, it's Happily Ever After. This is the alternate win condition card for this set. It's a two and a white for an enchantment. It says, when Happily Ever After enters a battlefield, each player gains five life and draws a card. So, symmetrical effect. Okay. It says, if, at the beginning of your upkeep, if there are five colors among permanents you control, and there are six or more card types among permanents you control in your graveyard or the battlefield, uh, and your life total is greater than or equal to your starting life total, you win the game. So, there's a whole bunch of hoops to jump through. A whole bunch of hoops. Um, however, uh, we recently got a card that 
makes some of those hoops a little bit easier. Okay. Um, plain white celebration. Yes. Is four green green, and you get to choose four, and you can choose, choose them four. as many times as you want to. Yeah. And it's like gain some amount of life, make a two two citizen. That's all five colors. Yes. And then regrow something and yeah. uh, return a permanent from your. Uh, so if you if you cast happily ever after, you've gained some life. Maybe you're above your starting life total. You wait a couple turns. If you cast plain white celebration, you can gain some more life to get above your starting life total. You can make a citizen to get all five colors permanents in mm-hmm. play, and now you have an enchantment in play with happily ever after. Assuming you've spent some mana for it, you probably have some lands in play. You have a creature in play from your citizen. You have a sorcery in your graveyard from the plane-wide celebration, and you're only missing like an artifact, an instant, or a planeswalker. This is interesting. I don't know if it's good, mm-hmm. but I, I don't know if it's something I want to do. No, it's not something I want to do, but I figured we were going to get questions about it yeah. at some point, so we should talk about it. If you're going to build a Happily Ever After deck, you should probably put plane-wide celebration in it. Yeah, it does It does a lot of heavy lifting for you. Yeah. Also, uh, I think I deem this the uh, Danny Oaken like, invitational card. Uh, yeah, also Bradley Whaley. Yeah. Was another one that would love to try this card, yeah. so. Danny, for a while, was playing uh, Revel and Riches. Yeah. And I am bummed out. Like, I really feel like there should have been, like, a smorgasbord. Ba- yeah, a food-based win condition, alternate yeah. win condition. So, this seems more of, like, a fun card. A less funsies card mm-hmm. is Rome Cloaked Giant. Yeah. He's a mythic. He is. Uh, goes on kind of a murderous adventure. <laughs> it sure does. A cast off for three white-white. Mm-hmm. Sorcery, destroy all non-giant creatures. The creature side is five white-white for seven-seven vigilance. Mm-hmm. So this card is as good as Bone Crusher Giant lets it be. Right. If Bone Crusher Giant is everywhere, which I'm assuming it's going to be, because if you play a deck that is playing any amount of red, you are playing Bone Crusher Giant. Yes. If that's the case, Realm Cloak Giant probably isn't great because Bone Crusher Giant's just going to kill you. Now, as we were sitting here talking, I was like, is there a deck that plays Bone Crusher Giant and this? Where you are bone crushing someone, then you wrath their board, and you have a Bone Crusher Giant? I don't think that Probably the Bone not. Crusher Giant deck wants to get the seven mana to cast the backside of it. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know either, but it's it's interesting. Like it depends how much you value like the plague wind side of it like yeah. i don't think you can just rely on a five mana wrath to solve all your problems especially if you're not casting like if you don't plan on casting the back side of it and i guess i don't know how many playable giants there are to like build yeah. there were a few giants on ravnica that were like seven and eight mana I guess the term giant does not lend itself well to two drops right it makes it kind of tough to curve a bunch of giants into a plague one like it could be a really good control card mm-hmm. because it is your wrath plus your wing condition rolled up into one card yeah but if your wrath misses a four power creature then your wrath isn't very good right and we also have like a bunch of not necessarily this effect but a bunch of things that are like a wind condition wrapped up in another card that I don't know that a control deck really wants this either. Like, would you rather do this? I mean, I guess if it's if you're not like white, black, or Kaya's Wrath, this is the Wrath that we get now. So maybe, but like you have the land that makes tokens. Like that's that's yeah. an acceptable win con. It just seems like there's a bunch of like little random, yeah. random little bits and pieces. But I don't know if it is good enough. Yep. When I first saw it, I didn't realize it had the Shrail non the non giant clause. Yeah. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is ridiculous. But yeah. the non-giant clause kind of balances it. You know, if Bone Crusher Giant can't be good, right. then this card 
becomes great. And like lightning strike rotates now, right? I think so. Yeah. Which makes like bone crusher giants three toughness, not as big a liability. Yeah. Yeah. You, you just have a, a screw the critics. Mm-hmm. So in the new one, whatever the adamant one is. Yeah. I don't know if that card even sees play though. Yeah. Like I know there's a lot of people hyped about it, but I don't think it's great. Yeah. So this next card, um, you're may, super excited for may break, uh, maybe not even break. My, that's not the right word. Will be played in modern mm-hmm. and maybe legacy. Mm-hmm. And that's Emery Lurker of the Lock. Mm-hmm. Every ability this card has has been broken in the past. Right. And they just put them all on one card and we're just like yellow. Yeah. What could go wrong? Let's do it. It's a three mana, one, two. It's two and a blue. Sure, it's three mana. Let's go with it's three mana. Uh, hey, that's what the card says. The card says two and a blue. This spell costs one less to cast for each artifact you control. So it has affinity for artifacts. Yeah, so uh, it's going to cost blue a lot of times. Yep. When it enters the battlefield, put the top four cards of your library into your graveyard. Mm-hmm. Oh, bummer. Yeah. What if my really good card's in the, in the top four? Tap. Choose target artifact card in your graveyard. You may cast that card this turn. Oh, that's what happens if you put your really good artifact card in your graveyard. Yeah, like your cauldron. Like your cauldron, yeah. or any number of busted right. uh, modern things. Right. There's a lot of like random combo potential with this card. Yeah. Uh, Jeskai Ascendancy from Cons of Tarkir. White, blue, red for an enchantment. Whenever you cast a non-creature spell, untap your creature and make it plus one. Untap plus one. all creatures. Untap you control, all creatures, and they all get plus one, plus one till end of turn. Yeah, you're only gonna have Emery because if you cast that and then you play like Mishra's Bobble. Mm-hmm. You can make your Emery arbitrarily large by yeah. just casting it over and over again, and then you'll draw. Oh, yeah, that's pretty good. An arbitrary number of cards. Yeah. And if they like your opponent taps out, yeah. you just kill them on the spot. You know, there's also been people talking about adding Paradox Engine to Wurza. Yes. Into the Legacy Mystic Forge decks. Yeah. Um, like that works with this too. Yeah, you cast it, you untap your yeah your thing, and you, you don't just... get to make it like super big, but. You just get to draw as many cards as you want to draw and then try to go off the following turn. Like, if you have a combo deck and you have 30 cards in your hand and you don't win, you're doing it wrong. Yeah. There's that. There's just in the Wurza decks, she can find your Thopter Foundry and cast it. Or she can throw your sword in the yard. And then if your Goblin Engineer Mm -hmm. goes and gets you your Thopter Foundry... She can just let you cast it. Like you don't right. have to wait to untap your goblin engineer. Yeah. She also like randomly brings the sword back, right? Like she wears the sword. Uh, yeah, because it's one power. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. So yeah, she kind of does everything that you want to do in that deck. Mm-hmm. And in Legacy, the artifact lands are yeah. legal. So like if you play one of the Seed of the Synod, the mm-hmm. blue one, and like a zero mana artifact, you can cast her on turn one. Yeah. And do whatever shenanigans you're trying to get up to. Yep. Put LEDs into play from the graveyard and Oh man. <laughs> I hadn't thought about that. Just like, hey, here's six mana. Yeah. I have no cards in like, hand. We'll put your land, cast them out of your graveyard with Emery. Yeah. Yeah, this seems like reasonable. Uh yeah. seems fine. Seems fine. What could possibly go wrong? I should probably pick up my last LED. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what could possibly go wrong? Yeah. This card does nothing fair right. in any format. No. Right? Because even in standard, you self-mill, mm-hmm. use her to cast your cauldron out of your graveyard, right. activate your cauldron, get back, fill in the blank giant thing. Yeah. All in all, this card is not fair. 
and just has multiple lines of text that have never been fair ever. Mm -hmm. What could possibly go wrong? We're going to find out. I'm going to find out. This next one is Vandress Gargoyle, which just kind of blunts aggro. Yeah, it's a one and a blue for a 5-4 flyer. Huge. Yeah, one and a blue. Yeah, one and a blue. Is there, a, there, is there better be a drawback? Yeah, there is. Okay. Um, it's an artifact creature, so that can be kind of a drawback sometimes. sometimes. Sometimes it's a bonus. Can't attack unless defending player has seven or more cards in their graveyard. Okay. So it either has to be later in the game or if you're on a mill plan. Yes. Um, it can't block unless you have four or more cards in your hand, and you can tap it to have each player put the top card of their library in their graveyard. So it eventually turns itself on for attacking. Right, not for blocking, though. Yeah, but early in the game, mm-hmm. when, like, a two-mana 5-4 is well above the curve, yeah, right, you're going to have four cards in your hand. Mm-hmm. Against, like, an aggressive deck, this could come in out of your sideboard right, and just, like, brick wall everything. Yeah, until you're ready to close the game out. Yeah. Or until you've filled their graveyard, graveyard with the creatures that it's blocked. That, that, that have run into it. Yeah. It can be a big roadblock for red decks just because it's going to make it harder for them to run you over. Yep. Because as opposed to playing like, you know, a 2-4 or something, you're playing a 5-4. Yeah. Something huge. Yeah. That is going to eat all of their three. Okay. It doesn't eat a bone uh, crusher giant. It trades. Trades. But it eats most three drops. Right. And trades with most four drops. Yep. And you paid two mana for it right. on turn two, or you like did something else and played it on turn four. It seems like it could be good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like again, like in a control deck, it's the answer that you want for aggressive decks early on, and yep. then it just turns into your way to win the game later in the game. Yep. So you don't again. It's it's two the two halves that you need in that deck. Yeah. The uh, next thing we're going to talk about here is uh, murderous rider tied for like the top three cards in the set in my opinion like for standard yeah for standard for sure yeah. it's it's, it's a, right up there another adventure card um this one is a three mana it's one black black for swift end it's a instant destroy target creature planeswalker mm-hmm. you lose two life so it's heroes downfall you lose two life which was the best version of that card that we've ever had is just a stone playable card yeah Right, think about how much Vraska's Contempt got played. Now, mm-hmm. it was it was one more mana. Yeah, and it exiled. And exiled, and you gain life, but yeah. it was one more mana. Right. Right, this is three mana. Right. Right, like you're, you're on the draw, your opponent plays their Teferi and pluses for some reason, and you just get to kill it. Kill it. And, like, you don't fall behind. Like, you have, a, you have, or even if they, like, down take it, you're like, I get to kill it, and, like, get to play the game now yeah i mean we played never never to return an almond cut yeah which was like that sorcery, card was speed. A sorcery and bad <laughs> very bad yeah but and this is just upside so that's... because it has a whole second half of it which is a murderous rider it's one black black for a two three with lifelink and when it dies instead of going to your graveyard it goes on the bottom of your library yeah, that's so you can't just like bring it back or recur it and yeah. get like your removal spell back right because that would make Gravedigger really good. Yeah, but it also, like, oddly enough, even though it makes it, like, you don't have the fun reanimation shenanigans with it, because you're trading them off, you're increasing the number of removal, number spells, of in removal spells in your deck, like, towards the end of the game. Yeah, I guess the question is, is 
I guess we have Fabled Passage, which yeah. is a shuffle effect to like shuffle them back into your deck. Yeah. But like in like standard, maybe it becomes kind of like the legacy paradigm where you don't fetch with your right until your, you need it. Yeah, and, until you can shuffle two murderous riders back into your deck. Right. As opposed to just like shuffling the thin your deck of lands, you're like, wait, mm-hmm. I'm gonna this is gonna get traded off at some point. Yeah. I still think this is if black is at all playable, this is your fifteen to twenty dollar rare. Probably. That is just gonna be played. Right? Uh, I mean Bone Crusher Giant might be also. Yeah. But this is just like Yeah, this is gonna see play in every yeah. deck. Hero's downfall was ten or fifteen dollars. Yeah. Like all the time. Nebraska's contempt was twenty bucks. Yeah. This is that card. Mm-hmm. This Probably. Is, this is the card that is going to that they put one of in every fall set. Yeah. And then they don't put another one in until that one rotates. Yep. And this is that card. Yep. It's solid. Again, it's, you know, for a control deck or a mid-range deck, right? A lot of times mid-range decks are kill everyone's stuff and then whoever has the last thing. Yep. Whoever has the biggest rock. Yeah, you have a 2-3 life link rock. It's not the biggest rock, but you didn't have to draw it. You well, it's killed the, the biggest if everything else is dead. Yeah, but you kill, You used it to kill something on turn 5, and on turn 10, you're like, oh, yeah. I guess I'll play this now. Yep. Do something to remind yourself you have creatures in adventure on adventures. There is a token. There is a token, but yeah. just like the like, draw your card, see a land, pass the turn, and right. then go like, oh no, oh, yeah. I had an adventure to cast. Yeah. Like That's going to be a bookkeeping thing that you're going to have to do. Arena does it well, for you pretty well. Yeah, but... That doesn't really translate Paint to paper, paper, though. Exactly. So. Next up is Claim the Firstborn, yeah. which you liked. Uh, kind of, sort of. I thought it was really interesting, and I hadn't heard anybody talking about it yet. Yeah. So I figured we could be the first to talk about Claim the Firstborn. It's a single red mana for a sorcery. It says, gain control of target creature with CMC three or less until the end of the turn. Untap it, and it gains haste. So we're kidnapping babies. Uh, basically. Um, I'm not okay with this. Well, it, I mean, the card reads kind of innocuous. It does. Because, like, active treason effects typically are not good. Yes. But this is really efficiently costed. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe not so much for standard, although we do have a lot of under-costed beaters in this set. Yeah. You have... Uh, the giant. The giant. The fairy. The fairy. Lovestruck beast. Yeah. So there are there are ways to use it in standard, but it also steals a lot of really good stuff. In older formats. It does. You get, like, Death Shadows and Tarmogoyfs, and you can do some yeah. damage with it. I mean, almost worst case, right, the Death Shadow decks will spend their first t- few turns making it so their uh, Death Shadow is big, mm-hmm. and they might not damage you. Right. You could just use this to steal it and kill the Death Shadow, because your life total would be above right. 12 or whatever. Yeah, or you take a giant hit and then kill them with it. Like, like if they can't kill you in one shot. It could have some it could have some play. Yeah. Um, I didn't think about it initially, but it could. It it also steals bomb. It oh oh no. No. Yeah. Oh man, I gotta use my surgery step to protect Tector from being stolen. Yeah, mom is the firstborn. Yes. Yeah, so it te- steals tokens. It does. Oh. It steals twenty twenty tokens. Yeah. No. Yeah. Also, this pairs really well with like priests of forgotten gods. Yeah. Right, you steal their thing and then you sack, sack it. it. Yep. So, um, also the Lady Lockwain or whatever. Sack draw oh, card. yeah, sack draw card. Yeah. Yep. So it does it does pair well with those like sack things mm-hmm. and like like stealing their creature, sacking it with Priests of Forgotten Gods, making them sack another creature. Yeah. And drawing a card is just all the cards for one, mm-hmm. and it, you're doing pretty well. It's also like 
there's kind of a weird play pattern again in modern like with liliana the veil Mm -hmm. um her edict effect isn't great if your opponent's got a bunch of stuff that they don't care about sacking you can steal it swing with it and then target yourself with the edict and sack it and sack it there you go so i guess it does have some little things that you can do yeah that aren't obvious yeah like i said it it reads a lot less it reads differently than it actually actually plays yeah only because it's so efficient i think maybe it has a chance but yeah we'll keep an eye on it and see what happens so here's a card that we can't figure out what to do with this next one there's fires of invention four mana red enchantment Mm -hmm. which puts it at least leaning initially to do nothing right you can only cast spells during your turn Mm -hmm. and you can only cast two spells a turn Mm -hmm. so you basically teferi yourself you can't play at instant speed right so that's the downside you can pay you can play you can play spells with converted mana cost equal to the number of lands you control without paying their mana costs right so you get to cast two spells on your turn with cmc equal to lands you control without paying yeah so you can you can play this and then immediately play another four drop like the big angry dwarf or circuitous route you can then if you have five lands in play the next turn you can play two five drop it's really weird because it asks some very strange deck building questions of you it wants you to play a whole bunch of five and six drops like if you're playing this on turn four and then going to turn five like to have two of them in your i mean i'm not a math guy but like to have two of them in your hand you're gonna want like 12 ish yeah you're gonna want a lot yeah also like you also need a bunch of lands because you want to hit like your first six land drops yeah so you're gonna want like 26 ish lands there's not a whole lot of room left in there after you count four of these for things to keep you alive till then yeah so it is like super awkward as like what the deck looks like yeah right is a super powerful effect like doubling your mana right uh see nissa who uh shakes the world doubling your mana is really good i mean even if you just like were slamming two five drops like, you're super far ahead. Like, mm-hmm. you catch up for playing, like, a four drop that doesn't do anything. Yeah. Like, how do you make all the numbers work that you yeah. aren't just, like, like, that your deck works when you don't draw this, but it, but when you do draw it, you just win. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing, is I don't, I don't know that you can make a deck that operates when you don't have this. Yeah. Because you're asking such, such constraints out of your deck. Yeah, it is super weird. Next up, we have uh, my boy. Yeah, your boy. Uh, Merchant of the Veil. Mm-hmm. This is a this is a common. We're we're all rarities here. Yep. Merchant of the Veil is a creature for yep. two and a red. It's a two three. Pay two and a red. Discard a card. Draw a card. Yep. So it's a looter. Uh, a rummager. Sure, it's a rummager. And it's not a tap ability though. You can right. just dump you can all your it. mana yeah. into it. What I'm interested in is haggle. Which yeah. is its adventure, which is red, mm-hmm. discard a card, then draw a card. Mm-hmm. In Dredge, right, Faithless Looting's gone. It is. Sorry, uh, Faithless Looting. Being able to discard the card, then draw, is super powerful. Yeah, it's a big game. Because if you have a Dredger in your hand, you, on turn one, build your graveyard. Right. As opposed to with Faithless, you would have more chances to find your Dredger, mm-hmm. but you didn't start dredging until turn two. Right. You have a graveyard right away. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind of like insolent neonate, right? So you would have two of these effects, yeah, that let you start to build your graveyard on turn one, yeah, start to get to a critical mass of like one mana, like can, uh, like not cantrip, but rummaging mm-hmm. discard effects, right? And burning inquiry, I've always said, is if you could play it in dredge, is the best 
possible draw spell to cast as your second draw spell when you right. already have a dredger. Yeah. But is it is the worst possible one to cast before. Before. With merchant and insolent neonate, you now have a way to turn one, try to build a graveyard mm. to then free you up to turn two. Burning inquiry. Burning inquiry. Flip your deck. Yeah, and just flip everything over. Yeah. And hope that's good enough. I mean it should be burning should inquiry is pretty uh pretty powerful if you already have a red red yard. Burning inquiry is one red. Both players draw three and then discard three at random. Yep. So you also have the back door of blowing up your opponent's hand. Yeah. Or like Which happens. Yeah. Randomly they discard all their lands mm-hmm. and like they just can't do anything. Yeah. Uh sometimes you drive them into gas, but you know <laughs> Risks. Sometimes you also leave them with no lands. Yeah. Risks. It's Risks. fine. Yeah. Right? So Merchant of the Veil does give us a another, like, discard drop. Might be useful in that deck. It's mm-hmm. kind of... I think everyone says it's still good, but I think it's still, like, searching for a Faithless replacement. Well, like, the versions that people are currently saying is still good don't really rely on Dredgers, though. Like, they've yeah. kind of gone more towards self-mill. Which is so it's a different deck. Next, we have... Uh, a trio of cards that I'm calling the foodies. The, the foodies. <laughs> yep. We've got a curious pair is a adventure card. It's a one and a green for a one, three. And then it's adventure is treats to share one green mana, make a foodies. Yep. Um, if the food deck is a thing, like this is a cheap this is way to enabler. get a food. Um, the food deck is probably also black and green. Yes. Black and green has like a subtle sacrifice theme. Yeah. Uh, like with Braska, Golgari queen. Gotten God, God, stuff yeah. like that. Like you have uses for a random like one three one three body. Yeah. So if there's a food deck, this probably sees play in it. The next is Gilded Goose. It's a one mana O2 with flying. When it enters the battlefield, make food. Yep. You can tap it and sacrifice a food to add a mana of any color. So it's kind of birds of paradise, yep. but it uses food. And this can also generate food. So what if you don't need mana? What can we do with this food? Um, if you don't need the mana to pump in a Gilded Goose, you could always sacrifice three foods to Feasting Troll King. Okay. Feasting Troll King. This is my, this is my thing here. Yeah. Two, green, 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 green. Yeah. For a 7-6 Vigilance Trampler. hmm And now, you usually want to cast these cards. You just want to get them back. Right. For little to no mana. Yeah. And he's like, well, if you cast me, I'll give you three food. hmm Thanks, Feasting nom, Troll nom, King. Nom, nom, nom. If it's in your graveyard, you can sack free three food and put it onto the battlefield. Oh, free. For free. No mana. Yep. So you have all these, like, random, like, food-generating cards that are... Then if you can, like, put a feasting troll onto the graveyard yeah. ahead on good. mana yeah. and just slam a 7-6. Yeah, I mean, like, the Gingerbread House and Curious Pair probably aren't good enough to play on their own, like, yeah. if there isn't a dedicated food deck. But you also have cards like Gilded Goose and Oko that are good enough. Are good enough to play on their own. And then there's also like a few things that are food in addition to their other types. Yeah. So uh, the Ginger Brute. Ginger Brute is also randomly food. Uh, and Golden Egg. Yep. Is also a food. The Golden Egg is like two mana artifact comes into play. Draw a card. Mm-hmm. You can like what is it? Pay two it's, to it's gain a, three life yeah, and then. Food. Pay yeah. one to, like, make a mana of any color. I like filters mana as well. So if you can get your Feasting King into your graveyard with three food on, like, turn three, Goose into the Golden Egg mm-hmm. into the new discard Tormenting Voice, Yeah. play Curious Pair, get your third food, mm-hmm. it's troll time. It's troll time. That sounds great. 
my experience with a reanimation deck say that'll never happen. Probably. But if there is a food deck, if there is a way that's just functional, this is a good thing. Yeah. That you could just cast it, and then it just comes back. It is uh, certainly a deck that we should mess around with in the arena portion that we're going to talk about in a minute. Yes. Side note, did you notice where I ended up at this GP? After being, like, dead for day two after round, like, six? 299? Yeah. Top 300. <laughs> top 300. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. The top 192 made it to day two. You were so close. I was. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we're going to talk about Arena uh, real quick, because uh, we've just been informed we've been over two, close to two hours here. So uh, Time flies when you're having fun. Thanks for hanging out with us. So Arena, yep. uh, the new set's going to drop on Tomorrow. Thursday. Thursday? Yeah, the 26th. Okay. If you're listening to this, if you hear the sound of my voice before the 26th, mm-hmm. if you go enter the code five bonus levels, capital F, capital B, capital L, that will give you... Five levels towards yep. your mastery. Five thousand experience for a uh, uh, core twenty twenty mastery pack. Yep. So that's something uh, to get, get some free stuff. Hopefully, get your mastery pass. Yeah, get you far enough up that yep. it was like worth you if you bought it or whatever. Yep. Or get you a few packs because that should if you that should get you at least two packs. Uh, gave me three. Well, there you go. Yep. So, yeah, you're gonna get two or three packs out of it. Yep. And then they're doing uh, a new event. Yeah, they announced a weird thing. Like the they always did the streamer events where they'd give streamers like unlimited access accounts where they could yeah. build whatever they wanted for a night and stream it. They're giving everybody that. Yeah, for twelve games, yep. you can play any card in standard. Yep. So they just give you complete phantom access to all the cards in standard. Build any deck you want and play it for twelve rounds. Or 12 matches. Uh, the Wizards, Computer Gremlins, come take your cards back. But then, like two weeks later, mm-hmm. they're having a big standard event mm-hmm. where you get, again, you enter the event, and they give you access to all the cards in standard, and you have one opportunity, one shot, yep. to get 12 wins. And if you get 12 wins before you get two losses... You get a copy of every card in standard. Yes, every... What, is it one copy, not a playset? Or is it just... Is when, it, when you were reading it to me, you said one. I don't, one. I don't yeah, I think know it is if you one, meant yeah. one playset. I think it's one copy. Yeah. You know, one copy of every card in standard. And but, also, like, a bunch of gold and... Other stuff. A cat, or not a cat. Something An else. avatar, some yeah, sleeves. Yeah. That's a whole lot of gems if you have a reasonable collection. Yeah. Or it's... An insane a whole amount. lot of collection. A lot of vault progress. Yeah. And as you go down, you get less. Right. But like I think if you get eleven wins, you get a complete set uh one sorry, one car one of each card from Eldrain. Eldrain. So which is still pretty good. Mm-hmm. Right. So they basically and it goes down to even if you just register and you, then get yeah, no you still wins. Get, like the sleeves and the avatar or something. Yeah, you get like the sleeves and like one rare card or yeah. like something. Like and it's a free to enter event. Right. So they're just giving you You only get one shot though. Yeah. So you enter it, you build your best deck yep. with all the cards in standard, and then you have get twelve wins or two losses, and then you get whatever you you earn from that. Yep. But the EV is like infinite because right. like you, you pay just, nothing. You pay nothing. Yep. And they gave you all the cards to yeah, play. So in it. it's super easy. It's free money. It'll be interesting. I'm sure that there'll be a lot of people tweeting out how they did. Mm-hmm. And deck what decks they used. That'll be kind of the beginning of like the standard meta game getting figured out. Yeah. 
because it'll be like the SCG release weekend event, and then right. like that event is the next like Monday or something. Yeah. So that'll be like where that all kind of shakes out. That's good because we need a whole bunch of data for our next event. Yeah, we got to figure out what we're going to play in Richmond. Yep. Which is like a month away. Five weeks or something. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> Soon. Soon, beginning of uh, that is the big thing on Arena. Like, there's I think they're still doing the core 2020 mm-hmm. uh, event for a few more days. Yep. Yeah, I, haven't, I, I haven't played Arena in three days. I'm Jones in. I haven't, like, it's weird. You didn't play enough Magic this week. I need to go play some more Magic. I gotta get more gold, man. <laughs> Can't just let Wizards not give me free gold. So I had an idea for a new standard, too. I don't know if you read this in the show notes or No, not. I did not. I think that we should have all of our listeners shoot us the list that they're working on. There you go. And we can, uh, like, retweet them or put them on Facebook or whatever. There you go. Kind of have, like, a big roundtable discussion with all our listeners. There you go. So all your all your sweet new Aldrain brews. We can take a look. Yep, let us and have get them. Everyone get, get everyone to take a look. Yep, we'll give you some feedback. Let let you guys give each other some feedback. We got a reasonably sized community now, I think. Yeah. So. And if we register your deck, we'll put you down as a deck designer. There we go. 100%. 100%. Yep. I usually put the deck designer down as the internet, but I'll actually give you a name. Yeah, absolutely. Use like the internet. I will totally deck. give you a, a shout out on the podcast and on my deck red sheet. There we go. And uh, where's Nick? The nerd? Yeah. I don't know. I think he left us for Tim Hortons. Is he trapped in a Tim Hortons? I don't know. We haven't heard it from him in forever. Oh, man. He might have got trapped in a Tim Hortons. Or he got like, attacked by a moose. Those are in Canada. They are. Yes, they are in Canada. <laughs> yeah, I hear they're mean. I don't think they have snow yet, so there's no excuse. Yeah. Nick. Come on, Nick. Come back to us. <laughs> so I think that's all the stuff we wanted to hit on today, right? Is there anything else you want to talk about? Um, Not really talk about, but I did want to mention that we are like going to get historic in like a week. Is it a week? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, historic also. Yeah. Let's uh, figure out new standard and historic. Uh, I think I think historic's already figured out. Probably. Uh, it involves Kethis, the Hidden Hand, and Emery. Yeah, probably. Good talk, everyone. <laughs> Thanks for playing. Yeah, just four color. Hey, that deck was four color before. Yeah, that's true. Four color, mill yourself harder. Yeah. And cast all your artifacts out of the graveyard. <laughs> yeah, in. That's going to be great. (laughs) Let's Uh, figure out standard first, and we'll work on historic. So we uh, purposely did not cover a whole bunch of our uh, GP Atlanta trip this week because we knew we had a bunch to touch on with Eldraine. So next next week's episode is going to be GP recap. Yeah, we're going to do GP recap and sealed first impression. Yep. Just cards that were good and stuff like that. Yep. We figured we can kind of like roll those together Mm -hmm. and touch back in on our... uh, on how, how we felt the prep was yeah. for the event. Uh, spoiler alert, it was good. I think the second time you said that, yeah. it was real good, it apparently. It was real good, yeah. I really enjoyed the how we prepped for this yeah. one. Um, the week after that, we're going to do our Brawl episode, so stay tuned for that. That should be fun. We're looking forward to it. Yep. I think the plan is, uh, unless you guys tell us otherwise, upgrades, yep. like how to get the deck to you know what looks like a reasonable thing. And I will have, I've already got the decks built in arena with You're like such a nerd <laughs> i have a two lane deck built with swamps as the placeholders for eldrain cards now there is some new stuff that came out since i first did that but yeah we'll be uh putting that together so also one more thing about arena is that uh, announcement where we got the open standard event announcement they also announced some other things that are coming to arena oh friends list including a friends list yeah so uh, I don't know when they said that was coming. That's like in the under development. It's like oh, in the, right. it was like in the second tier. There's like say, things that are coming, and then maybe it was in the first tier, but yeah, it should be soonish. Maybe uh, maybe we can use Arena to jam some 
some gameplay videos with our tuned decks. There we go. Hopefully soon. Yeah, it might be something cool to do. Yeah. We can still direct challenge each other now as long yeah, as you know like the pain. like 85 hexadecimal digit code right, and like still a kidney and yeah it's perform a yeah. rain dance and it's rough pray to the dark gods and sacrifice a goat don't do you then tap me and i get to draw a card and sacrifice <laughs> a goat <laughs> no we didn't talk about that card <laughs> no i do like drawing cards though that's all it takes to, to draw cards to give yep. me some goats so now you gotta go look at what card we're talking about <laughs> um, scryfall goat one more thing for this uh the Brawl episode that we're doing, um, our most popular episode was the Challenger deck review yeah. and the upgrades. So we're hoping you guys are going to really like this. And you should tell like everybody at your local game store yeah. about our Brawl deck upgrade that, that videos. might be into Brawl. Yeah. Because hopefully it'll help them out. Yeah, help them out, grow our community a little bit. Yeah, let people know. Yep. So with that, I think we're good. Yep. Been a long one. Super long. I'm tired of talking. Yes. Uh, I guess we'll catch you at pre-release? We will catch you at pre-release. <laughs> <laughs>